You are listening to episode 22 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today with Marie-Helene Amitsreiter, general partner of the VC firm Speedinvest and one of Europe's most influential women in the startup space. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the EU Startups Podcast in 2022. My team and I are super excited about this year, since we'll be finally bringing back the annual EU Startup Summit as an in-person event on May 12 and 13 in Barcelona. It would be cool to meet you there, and in case you would like to join and experience two days of networking, inspiration and learning, make sure to secure your ticket soon. And now, without further ado, I'm handing over to our head of content, Patricia, for an interview with Marie-Helene Amitsreiter from Speedinvest. Today, I'm very excited to uh, introduce Marie-Helene Amitsreiter to the EU Startups podcast. Um, Marie-Helene is an incredibly successful businesswoman, a mom and an Austrian TV personality. Um, so welcome, Mary Helen. Thank you so, so much for, for joining us. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Great to have you. Um, so you're now a lead partner of the Speed Invest Industrial Tech Team and a general partner of Speed Invest. Um, can you just tell us a bit about your background and how did you find yourself at this point? Sure, with pleasure. So I guess I have not the typical VC background. Um, I was uh, after studying business administration and an MBA in the US um, for 20 years, actually, in the telecoms industry. Mm -hmm. um, and that was my first job. Um, and um, within these 20 years, I was, and that was the most exciting part, five years in Croatia, where I built greenfield operation. So kind of a startup really from the scratch. We just got a, a license um, for a mobile operation and we built the network from scratch. So I was first the marketing sales director there and then um, I became the CEO and we grew the company to more than 1,100 employees and half a billion in revenues. So that was a, a very dynamic and very exciting um, period of my I career. Think. Yeah. And then um, after that phase, I, um, well, I got pregnant with my first child. And so I had to move back um, to home um, because uh, it was not possible to run, you know, a CEO operation in that dimension with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a small baby. Mm -hmm. um, and um, then I uh, changed jobs and, and, and industry, actually. Uh, and went to OMV, to the oil and gas company. And uh, the reason being, and I think that uh, happens quite often, that after um, my baby, I had the impression I really want to do something purposeful. Um, and, um, and with OMV, I was uh, building the whole corporate sustainability program over 30 markets, and back then, almost 10 years back, you know, the whole topic of sustainability was really just uh, in its infancy. It just started to, 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 to gather some attention. Um, and especially in oil and gas, as you can imagine, it's, um, 
that's a tough industry for sustainability. Yeah. So that was uh, that was uh, really interesting to understand the whole concept uh, along the whole value chain. And um, after um, my second uh, child, Annalena, um, I um, still in 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 uh, maternity leave. I was approached by the founder of Skillless, um, if I would not after you know the maternity leave. Um, come and join Speed Invest. Speed Invest was founded in 2011 and uh, I joined in 2013, 14. Quite early on. Wow, okay. It's quite an amazing story you've had. Um, but as a, a woman and working then in, in finance and, and tech as well, these are industries that are kind of dominated by men. So you've definitely probably shattered a lot of glass ceilings on your way. How has that experience been for you, especially as a mom? Yeah, I have to to say I was super super lucky. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was really in the very fortunate uh, position that in my first part of the career, when I was still very young, I had uh, a mentor out of the industry who um, who was supporting me and giving me all the trust one can have. So um, when I became um, CEO with, um, I think, 35, um, you know, I myself, and that's a typical women thing, I thought, can I really do that? Am I good enough? Can I handle the job? And he was giving me all these credits saying, you can do that. You, there is no one better than, than you. And, and I think that was um, giving me so much, much self-confidence. Um, and uh, with that, you know, I, I I guess I even demonstrated to the outside world I'm untouchable and, and don't even try, you know, to stop me from what I want to do. Um, so that was, uh, that was uh, yeah, really fortunate. And I was always in gross industries, which helped also to, you know, progress and, and to get um, ahead. Um, in the oil and gas industries, it was a bit different because it's uh, really very traditional with very long um, cycles. Um, and there I had to fight. I, I had to fight. And that was actually also the reason why I left. I, uh, was, it, was it because I was a woman? I'm not sure. It was just a whole environment that didn't feel very healthy. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and in VC, I mean, you know, I first having, having had this experience in telecoms where I never was facing any of these imbalances. I was a bit shocked when I joined VC industry because it is still, and it still is, um, very, very male dominated. There is um, especially as uh, it's it, it's it's an industry built on networks, um, so you need to have good um, relations to other VCs to the founders. Um, only by then you get uh, access to the best deals. If you're a mother with two children and moving to a new city, there is hardly any chance that you can build the network. Um, so there is definitely you know, glass ceilings. And we see that also um, in the career paths and in the number of females. I mean, you know, all the statistics, is it on female founders? Is it on um, general partners um, of VC? 
um, that we still have um, a long way to go. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is is the way to kind of improve that outlook and to improve that situation? Get more women involved in VC, more female founders. What is it that we can do? I say we, I mean collectively as as society. You know, what what can we yeah. do? Yeah, I mean, I think what we see is a positive development on the founder side. We see more and more female founders appearing. Um, the same is true also on the VC side. I think the whole ESG pressure that is coming from the financial industry is also giving really a push that we see. VCs are starting to think how they can get more diverse. And this is not just people of women it's also really to get um, different uh, you know nationalities and uh, people with different backgrounds not just um, mm-hmm. people coming from investment banking or um, uh, entrepreneurship um, so what what we can do and we have analyzed that also within speed invest um, there is still a lot of unconscious bias um, also with female VCs so um, we have done some stats on, you know, looking at mixed teams, female teams versus pure male teams in coming from entering our systems, the CRM system, to being shortlisted um, for a potential investment. The likability for mixed and female teams are uh, somewhere at 30%, 25%. Whereas afterwards, and that's interesting, from shortlisted to really receiving an investment, the mixed teams and female teams are beyond 50% likability. So in the end, you know, the, 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 the mixed teams and female teams, when you dig deeper, when you go into the due diligence, when you make workshops with them, they qualify more likely than pure male teams for an investment. But very often they simply don't get to that point. And I think this is where we have to work on ourselves as a VC to get out this unconscious bias that if we see female, uh, uh, maybe even in a, let's say, femtech environment, um, that this is, you know, we, we, we are not so eager to push forward. Okay, that's really interesting. Really interesting insight. Thank you. Um, so then at Speed Invest as well, you just launched the Climate and Industry Opportunity Investment Fund. Um, can you tell us a bit about, more about that, especially, you know, considering your, your background with sustainability and kind of pioneering that approach? Sure. So maybe a couple of words of Speed Invest, if, if someone doesn't know us yet. Um, we are... Um, an early stage pre-seed seed investor, um, pan-European. And I think uh, there are two things that set us apart um, from other VCs. Um, and this is a very strong operational engagement. So we have um, a platform um, where we have um, some 30 people that are there to support our portfolio companies in different aspects. Is it in um, hiring, um, in, in finding the right talent? Is it in growth hacking? Is it in um, business development? Um, so um, that's that's something where we are really strong at and what is especially important in this early stage phase. Um, The other thing is that we have learned very early on that also on the investment side, 
you need expertise in order to get the best deals. So we have expert teams on the investment side for fintech and suretech. They are located or the base is, is in London. We have a consumer and marketplace team. They work out of Berlin. Um, we have a deep tech team, a health tech team. Um, and, and those people are really specialists um, in their respective field. Um, so I am heading the industrial tech climate tech team. And um, why we put this together is very interesting because coming from the industrial side, um, you know that 30 over 30% of the carbon emissions are directly uh, coming from the industrial world. So mm -hmm. if we really want to make an impact and change, we need to tackle um, the problem with innovation, with technology, with industrial tech um, at the root cause. Okay. So, and this was the reason why uh, three years back, we started the so-called uh, dedicated industrial tech um, fund and the beauty there is that the LPs so are the, the investors that invest into that fund are all industrials so they are companies from the industrial world usually SME small medium <clears throat> enterprises um, could be from different verticals we have Male um, a tier one automotive supplier um, <clears throat> we have Doppelmayr from the ski lifts um, ski lifts we have um, you know, people from the pulp and paper industry, Wackernäuson, machinery, um, OEM. So um, a whole mix of investors that also support um, our portfolio companies and us in doing due diligences who really want to collaborate with startups. Um, and that's a win-win for all sides. So this ecosystem was starting to work quite well um, and growing and building. Um, and then we said, as we have quite a big portfolio now of industrial tech, climate tech companies, um, and very often we could not do the follow-on investments simply because we were maxed out with the seed fund, uh, we decided to raise from the same investor group industrials, this new climate and industry opportunity fund. So an opportunity fund is a fund that is merrily investing into the existing portfolio companies of Speed Invest, um, benefiting from the pro rata rights that we usually hold from the Speed Investment period, mm -hmm. and, um, and that we build upon. And uh, yeah, and this fund was um, closed now end of November. Uh, with a target volume of 80 million. Great, thank you. Um, so this past year has really been a very exciting year in the European startup ecosystem um, and there's more investment than, than ever before made. How do you see us keeping up this momentum in Europe into 2022 and, and beyond? What, what's next for the European startup ecosystem? Well, I think, you know, um, we are just at the beginning of this um, European um, um, growth phase because um, many US investors and also Asian investors have realized that very substantial and good 
innovation and technology with also in the deep tech sector is actually coming to Europe. Uh, the same is true for industrial tech and climate tech, which just made um, together with Steel Room um, also a report um, where we researched, you know, what were the growth rates and where are we heading to. And it is still the case that also the classic industries in Europe are accounting for 30% of the GDP, um, only 3% of total VC capital is actually flowing into industrial tech companies. Um, and we can see that um, we had a 3x time um, increase in the VC investments into industrial tech. And I think that is one area um, where we are only at the very beginning um, of a significant, you know, acceleration of amount of startups and also um, value increase that we're going to see. Um, so, and, and there is many other areas to come. Governmental tech is something definitely, health tech, uh, where Europe is strong. Um, so I am not too worried that um, 2022 is not, you know, is kind of stagnating or would not develop um, further. Cool. So you see it growing more and, and European scene continuing this, this growth and becoming more on par with the US. Do you see more and more unicorns coming out of the Yeah, definitely. We are we already also with Speed Invest, you know, a unicorn mm -hmm. was something um, really you know out of reach and now we <laughs> yeah and now we have four and it went really really quick um and we have uh, a lineup of uh, really plenty of good companies we call them sunicorns um <laughs> that have all the potential um to grow um into uh, into that um i mean there was a big gap uh, in, in valuations um, towards between Europe and the US and this gap um, uh, still is not closed yet. What I really would hope for is that um, still a lot of the good companies in Europe are uh, you know receiving follow-on investments from US money. Um, I think there is enough money in Europe if we just have the right incentive schemes in order to unlock this money so that it can flow into venture as an asset category. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is I see that European founders are sometimes not bold enough to um, keep on growing and to thinking really global, but going into early exits because they feel, you know, a couple of hundred millions, that's a nice exit, um, so I can mm -hmm. do a nice living. Um, but um, they are lacking this big aspiration, which U.S. startups much more usually do have. So that's probably the second thing I would hope for, a bit more, you know, self-confident for European startups. Interesting. Okay. A bit more self-confidence is what we need. Nice. Yeah. Um, so for first startup founders out there um wanting to to approach you with an exciting idea what are what are the top tips for them to get funding in the vc space i think you know for, i said it in the beginning network is is really important so whenever you get um, as a startup as a founder introduced to an investor by another founder uh, like ability that 
you know, you get looked at and you get some attention is so much higher. So top ranking is clearly recommendation by other founders um, and um, other VCs. Yeah, but um, so, so um, that's, that's one. So finding the right entrance into and towards the investors world. The second is, um, I guess, to be, I mean, I think all the hygiene factors, I don't need to mention, it's, it's clear to everyone that you need a proper tech, uh, a pitch deck, that you need um, to be very clear um, what's your big vision, what's your short-term goals, um, and all those kind of things. But, um, I mean, in the process, in the negotiation process itself, Respond time is super important. I mean, you have to be super, super quick in responding and answering questions and following up. Um, it's getting hyper-competitive out there. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a sign for investors of a good entrepreneur if he's responsive and also good in doing and handling the negotiations of the, of the pitching process and the investment process. Interesting. Okay, so it's really networking and, and good communication skills are, are top. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and it's, of course, diversity, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Complementary yeah. team in all aspects um, is, is, is really something that we are more and more looking at, um, as well as also having an idea about this whole ESG topic, you know. Um, I think that's that's becoming more relevant. Why are people building this company? and what's the aim and and how you know are they gonna act um responsible interesting okay so having a clear clear vision and a clear pathway and story as well behind you too yeah interesting okay great and so then is there any advice that you would go back and give yourself your 20 year old self if you could <laughs> well first definitely good education that uh i think these days become became much more relevant as it was probably back in my days. And the second, <laughs> it's a funny one, but I, you know, when I, I, when I married, um, first I didn't change my name because I was a CEO, but then later on, because of the kids, I changed my last name. And so uh, there was already in my forties and it was my whole career got lost on the social media side. Um, and that's something that I would not do again, you know, um, to change my last name and <laughs> lose in a way um, my identity from my use. Keep your identity. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to us today. It's been really interesting to hear your insights. Thank you. Well, thanks for inviting me and have a Merry Christmas. Okay, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you.